Hello and welcome to How to Win the Lottery, Season 3, Episode 2, Literally Show Me a Healthy Person by Darcy Wilder. I'm Joey Lewandowski. Uh, I am Clint Eastwood's character in that trilogy of movies. The Man with No Name. That's right. That's the joke. I just... All over... Anyway, welcome back to the show. Another episode of How to Win the Lottery, your favorite gambling book club podcast. What do you do with your voice there? I'm just trying something new. Do you like it? (laughs) I don't know. Probably not. It's not good. It's going to take me like six months before I listen to this episode, but when I do, I'm going to be like... How many episodes have you listened to of ours? I think that the last one that I listened to was... You're listening in order. Yeah, I think the last one I listened to was the Amber Tamlin one. Okay, so you're still in season one. Mm-hmm. We're in season three. Yeah. It takes me a long time to listen to these because I have to get... Uh, I'm very shy about listening. No, I get it. But then also, um, I like to forget what we talked about and then be surprised by things like you singing a song for some reason in the intro. What I think was really funny is that our, our last podcast, Tub Talk, I would listen back as I edit and I would write the description and then like three days later I'd read the description and be like I don't remember anything <laughs> yeah. and I had been in the room when we recorded I had edited the episode I had written the description and it was all lost to me and those descriptions are my favorite things I've ever written for any podcast I stand by Tub Talk as one of the great podcasts <laughs> I think that that's like some of the best content on the internet it's really good yeah and it almost, nobody listened to it almost literally <laughs> no one like four people well, yeah, because we have someone who was at the time verified on Twitter who refused from the podcast. <laughs> he had like like twelve thousand followers yeah. or something like that. Who, who who care about him for basically the two things we talked about? What do you mean two things? We didn't talk about sports. Sport. We didn't talk about sports at all. We gave NLCS recap. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. This is the Tub Talk recap podcast. Let's go right back through it. I think there is value to talking about this because it was an extremely online podcast in a way yeah um it's weird because uh, when i think about it when i look at those lists uh i would change everything about sure them. and and so, so it's like completely something that's like of the specific moment but capture a moment in time yeah yeah much like literally show me a healthy person maybe i don't know but written by darcy wilder how would you describe the style of this book i was thinking about this a lot because it's not narrative at all but it's not not narrative. But it's narrative in a in a very circumlocutive way. It doesn't go from point A to point B, and there aren't characters. There aren't, aren't really any characters. What it is, I came up with a term for this in my head. I, I think it's kind of like a, a, it's like a narrative of a frame of mind rather than a narrative of actions. Do you think, I like that, do you think that that is an approach to writing that is tied at all to the internet? I think it is, because I I think, I I don't know if this is true, I haven't done any research on it. The book, in part, reads like a uh, collection of tweets. Yes. Um, I don't know, maybe some of these were tweets, maybe some of them weren't. I mean, some parts definitely weren't tweets, because they're, you know... uh, it's like an email uh, is, is included um, or like longer chunks of narrative are, are included. But like a lot of them are just very condensed thoughts and a lot of them are very simple jokes. Yep. Right. Like. Um, Grab uh, some burgers. 
go ahead. Hit the hospital, switch up the babies in the maternity ward. Yeah, the, the, it's it's just like uh, very things that you would when Twitter was better. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would do tweets like that instead of getting lost in the flame war. Of- yeah, cycle of of uh, uh, political anger and and uh, that sort of thing. Um, you'd have very creative people giving you jokes slash very short narratives that that gave you insight into a hyper specific perspective and you would see how these these folks viewed the world for for a second uh and then there was something really really beautiful about that and it's mostly lost and forgotten and in some ways this feels like a snapshot of that time but i don't think that it is because it is so specific to the author and to like it does function as a memoir i think kind of um, although I don't have any knowledge of any, if it's true or not. Yeah. Uh, but the, but the, the author Darcy Wilder names herself specifically in multiple parts yeah. of, of the text that her father refers to as Darcy. And there's an email from her mother that refers to her as Darcy. So like you can assume some truth to it or if not, she's doing a meta narrative thing where she's, but I, I, I think it probably it's, it's memoir. Cause I think what is special about this book and this type of writing is that it the themes in it dealing with the dying parent breaking up boyfriends moving to a new city and hating it wanting to find a fulfilling relationship either emotionally or sexually or whatever like nothing none of that's new like that's all things everybody deals with and has forever but it's the Mm -hmm. way in which it is conveyed is cool it's refreshing it's like this is a 2010s novel this came out in 2017 like it's it could, it almost, I don't know if this is true, but like it feels like it only could have been written this way in the last 12 years. Maybe. I mean, certainly we are, as readers, are more acclimated to this kind of sure. style because of Twitter and because of the way that we engage socially now through text messages and things like that, which are often these brief observations that aren't, that the, the structure of which doesn't fit into an overarching, uh, like, A gets you to B, B gets you to C, C gets you to D, and then the character's grown, right? It's not it's not that kind of story. But it, it, it does give you a very specific frame of, of reference uh, to who this person is. I, when this book first came out, I, I reviewed it for a website called American Micro Reviews, and... I compare. I, I don't know if I compared it to uh, this book, but there's a book called Party Knife by Dan Majors, which is a book of poetry. That is the only book that I would I would say is kind of similar to it that I can think of. But I said this about Party Knife when that came out too. But what this book feels like to me, like the emotional state that this book puts me in, is it makes me feel like I'm at a diner or something, really late at night with a good friend who is telling me a bunch of stories and they're really sad stories but they're also really funny and every time i think about asking that if that that person if they're okay or if they um need help or if they uh if there's anything that i can do for them they deflect my concern by saying something that's really uh funny or cutting or or something like that so that i i keep forgetting to interject and say like, Oh, are you all right? And then, you know, I get in the car and I start driving home and I realize like, I'm really worried about that person. And I never expressed my worry for them. And that's like, uh, that's such a unique feeling. 
And I think this book really successfully does that. Because this was a book that you had suggested that I read in the basically pre-podcast of this podcast mm-hmm. where you give me like a year. I don't remember if it was one or two years because time has no meaning anymore yeah. in the pandemic. But like I basically for a long time read only books that you sort of curated for me, which became the podcast. And I had read this and I loved this. And the further I got from it, the less sad it was. And I was just like, that's a really funny book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why is the cool S not an emoji? Just like mm-hmm. these like, things, yeah, like, the exactly. things that were sticking in my head. I'm just like, these are funny, just great thoughts. And then this time I listened to the audiobook as read by Darcy and I'm like, Oh, it's profoundly sad. Yeah, the longest the, the longest sustained piece of of writing in it is an email from uh, the narrator's mother, where she just explains in really really specific detail about brain cancer and the way that the cancer has gone into the the, the fluid, fluid and is traveling to other parts of her body, and the way that the medications are affecting her muscles and the way that she walks now she can't go upstairs without holding onto the banisters um and and things like that and that that's balanced by a lot of uh stuff about like sucking dick i just learned that i too can be young dumb and full of cum yeah so and, and it's like this is sort of um you know that, that i would say that there are like three or four themes that that get hit on repetitively throughout the book and and they 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 rotate in between each other oral sex Mm -hmm. uh come those are two separate ones two separate ones her inability to come because well because there's because there's a lot of there's like do roaches come uh do you have uh if if a um what if what determined if you're happy or not in your life is if your mom came when when you were conceived things of that nature uh, 9-11, which is a... Well, I think also with, with, with come with the second one, unless this is the fourth one, I think it's also about, like, it's the sexual gratification. It's, like, trying to find someone who can make her come, but also knowing that she can't on the first night and only having one night stands, just, like, the, like, sort of being young and sort of sexually promiscuous, but also just, like, empowered. And, you know, is that, is that the same thing, or do you think that's a different topic? No, I, well, I mean, I think all of these things connect to each other. Like, I think sure, yeah, I think yeah. coming connects to nine eleven in, in an interesting way uh, that I'll have to do some Explain. mental gymnastics to, to try to figure out. Uh-huh. Uh, cancer, right? Yep. And, and and the the death of uh, sort of not only the mother but the grandmother. That's a recurring thing throughout. And then uh, the fifth is uh, this interesting combative relationship with her dad. Yes. And so those those themes, if you well, it's, it's basically family, love, and death. Yeah, if, if, and if you if you hit on someone's obsessive thoughts about those themes over and over and over again, you can learn who that person is in in a really interesting way. I'm not saying that I know Darcy Wilder or know who she is, but it's like the whatever is being presented by this book. Like I feel like I know the narrator of this book really well. To someone, I mean, I love this book. Like, I genuinely love this book. I, but I think to someone who does not like this book, mm-hmm. you could look at this and see it as maybe lazy or easy or like, oh, I could do that. I yeah. And I, I think why this works is because it looks easy because she does it so well. Well, I said this. I, I uh, shout out to the uh, uh, person we were talking to earlier today, Bud Smith. I was talking with him about this book a little while ago. And um, what I said to him about it was, it's a book that I th- think a million people could try to rip off, and all of those ripoffs would be shitty. 
I, I've read books, like I read a book of memoirs, or a, uh, Jesus Christ, I'm so dumb. I am so dumb. I read a memoir, a book of essays about sure. a young actress's life. Cassie David? I was not naming her because I was about to shit on the book, but yes. <laughs> and in there... Larry David's going to come get you, man. Hey, hey, Larry, I just started watching Curb. I'm 22 years behind the curve, but here we are. But in there, she intercuts stories of her life with chapters that are just tweets I would have sent if I had Twitter. And it's just a list of like basically sort of jokes or whatever. But there's no narrative. It's just right. tweets, which I know like, that's I, I know why like, I don't think this is the worst example of this, because like she's not trying to tell a story via that format. But I think that like you could see something like that. And be like, oh, I get to put together a bunch of funny thoughts or sad thoughts. But this or is this is the difference between in in the beginning of Twitter when Twitter was good, quote unquote, um, there were a number of number of people who rose to prominence on on Twitter. People, you were just talking about this. this week. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were we were talking about this in the was in, it because of this book? Did that, in the group did that, chat, did that, maybe I don't remember. Okay. But but there was like uh, you know uh, Gray Alien, Hell Homer, uh, Pet Furniture, uh, Trisha Lockwood, who who does show up later on this horse ebooks. This uh, uh, horse ebooks, although um, you know whatever Wolf Puppy. Uh, there are like a handful of, of, of people who were really, really fucking great at Twitter and got it immediately. And you could recognize their tweets as like a sort of fingerprint, right? You knew who, who was doing what, like, I know what a wolf puppy tweet looks like. I know what a gray alien tweet looks like, but then you would also have like a bunch of comedians would go on Twitter and be kind of shitty at it. Like, Jerry Seinfeld sucks at Twitter. He just goes on there and makes jokes, but the jokes have nothing to do with who he is. They don't have a perspective. Like, he might have a perspective as a comedian, but he doesn't have a perspective within the context of Twitter. But, like, what's what's the irony there is that he should be great at Twitter, because I feel like his whole Mm -hmm. shtick is bite-sized observations. Yeah. But I think that's the difference. I think that's something that, like, I'm excited about with this module is there's a difference. Like, funny is funny, but, like, there's a difference between, like, trying to adapt who you are to a thing and like literally growing up online. Right. That's what it is. It's because it's because the people who were good at Twitter initially, I don't know if this is 100% true for everybody. Cause like Rob Delaney was great at Twitter and Rob He's Delaney old. is significantly older than I am. Um, maybe not significantly, probably 10 years older. He's probably 45 or 50. Um, which is about 10 years. Yeah. But like they are using the grammar of yeah. the internet, the, the, all of the, um, unspoken rules and the codes that like can make things funny, which sometimes involve things like intentional misspellings, all caps, uh, writing in, uh, you know, uh, there's a rhythm to it the same way that there's a rhythm to stand up comedy and, and, and stuff like that. But it's complete. That rhythm is completely different on the internet. And some people are really fucking good at that. And some people are not. And, and one of the things that I was lamenting in our, in our conversation the other day and we might be getting a little far away from the book here um but one thing that i was lamenting in our conversation the other day is that a lot of those people totally fucked off and they're not on twitter anymore because there was no way to monetize that right the only person the only only a couple he'll monetize like i think drill makes money off of twitter because he like had that adult swim show and shit like that yeah like rob delaney became a guy kelly oxford became a writer like yeah like there's people who have turned being funny on Twitter into a lucrative thing. But for the most part, it's just like, it's just a parody account with a hundred thousand, not parody account, but like a funny account with a hundred thousand followers. Like that's the end of it. Like that's the extent, which is awesome to have a crowd. Although I do feel like the weird irony is that now I don't want to talk about this, but like with like the way that web three and like 
NFTs and stuff. Like, I feel like they could monetize it now in a way, but like they, they like there was a gap between right when it was when they were being funny because it was a fun thing to do, and now where there's actually a way like Patreon, OnlyFans, whatever, like whatever you're selling, there are ways to like reach your crowd. But mm-hmm. there were like a gap of four or five years in the middle there where it's like if you didn't stick that out, understandably so, you're probably gone. Yeah, all of which is to say that literally show me a healthy person has the grammar and mechanics yeah. of someone who is a digital native. Yeah. Uh and and so w- the way that rhythm works the the deadpanness of it um and the the breathless lack of punctuation and things of that nature really enhance uh the emotive aspects of the storytelling. Um, and and the comedy, like I would obviously, like I would say that this is a very funny book. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, it's I wouldn't even say that it's a mostly funny book. I would say that it's a it's most, a mostly depressing book. It's a mostly uh, we're not depressing. It's like it's like a grounded in realist. It's tough to be in your twenties in New York, basically, kind of story. Yeah, yeah. Um, with all of the things that are like, uh, look, uh, sex is not all that satisfying, especially for women. Yeah. Um, there's a good chance that there's no uh, release orgasm yeah. at the end of it. Uh, I was trying to class it up. There is um, uh, the relationships in your life that you think are going to uh, people that are there to protect you, like your dad. Um, sometimes that that uh, protection doesn't feel very safe. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of stuff like that. And then there's stuff that I, I texted you when I was finishing reading the book the other day. Like the biggest laugh out line moment in this entire book for me was uh, who in this urgent care has the wettest pussy. And something about that, like I that was so fucking funny to me that I like like the context of being in an urgent care, which we can assume maybe based on the book and the narrative comes from when she what split her chin open at a party or something like that. Right. Like she was talking about a couple of times. She was head butted, uh, by, uh, um, a guy that she was hooking up with or something like that. Um, and doesn't I, even get stitches. She just leaves. Yeah. But so, so like there's that, the, we have this location of the urgent care that we come back to. And it's so funny to think about someone busting open their chin at a party by s- someone who either accidentally, uh, whatever had butted her, um, and then she's like sitting in an urgent care, which she's not even going to get help at. And then like, now that we 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 are attaching all of that context to it, to have that character go like, and by the way, who in this urgent care has the wettest pussy? Yeah, like that's so fucking funny because it's this like consistent juxtaposition of things that are absolutely like, if not traumatic, uh. Stressful, stressful. Yeah, that's a good. That, 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 that's a that's a good point. Stressful. Things are absolutely stressful with these like non sequitur thoughts. That what are we other than our non sequitur thoughts? Like the non sequiturs are the things that make up who we are right. as people, right? The things that you think that are out of context of your surroundings is is what like informs your unique personality yeah so like to think who in this urgent care is the wettest pussy like while all of those other things are going on like that's not only a really funny thought but it like shows me something about dealing with all of this stuff through humor in an interesting way and and like in a way that like is attached to the things that are thematically other in 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 the book like um arousal orgasm etc 
because we all have the shared same shared experiences. We all have the same deal with the same things, but it's the 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 way that it's like what like the gray space in between or whatever. It's like the connective tissue. It's like mm-hmm. what you're thinking of that defines who you are. It's how you think. I think it's I, I, this might not be fair to say, but I feel like reading this, like I would want to hang out with her just because I feel like I know who she is based on the way that she writes this, and I feel like even if it's not. That's interesting because I think that I think in a lot of ways she's probably giving you the in so, in some ways the worst of herself here, like she's like obviously like she's being very funny, but she's also being at worst worse is 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 a bad is a bad thing to say. I I think that she's uh, being open about a lot of the things that would make people run away. But I think that's what I like about it. Mm-hmm. It's the vulnerability. It's the honesty. It's the willingness to be like this is who i am take me or leave me yeah i think that that can be very stressful in one-on-one situations though with with people how do i destroy phone and everything i've ever done mm-hmm. as this notes that you've taken on so when i when i read this book in july of 2020 i took pictures of my favorite lines this one I use all the time, not not the line, but my boyfriend's friend and her boyfriend asked how dating my boyfriend is. I did wobbly hand motion. The wobbly hand motion. And I just say wobbly hand motion a lot to people because like, I think it's just a very – because it's ex- I've never heard it described like that, but you know exactly what it is. Yeah, it's like texting to someone dismissive jerk-off motion. Like you know exactly yeah. what, they're, what they're doing with their hands. Yep. I'm the Michael Jordan of giving head where I once saw a dead body. Swoosh. That was, yeah, that was uh, my favorite on my first initial read. It's so good. Underline that. There's so much of this that just it's just funny, and it's like, it's different ways of viewing things, and it's... What I think is special about it is that it feels new, but it also comfortable because we're used to it. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like it, it's taken, and this might happen, again, maybe with LifeLog, I don't know, other later down this module, is for, like, it's the type of writing you see in one place put in another place and it feels new because it's not where you expect to find it well yeah i also think that right like using the aesthetics of the internet in something like a quote-unquote traditional medium uh like the the paperback book um you're recontextualizing it um because we're used to consuming this stuff for free in very specific contexts right right um and those very specific contexts usually have something to do with anonymity um, or either anonymity, like we're reading someone's blog who we don't personally know, and they've maintained a complete distance from us as a human being, right? Do you, I, I mean, I remember in the live journal days, like I had lots of people who followed my blog and lots of people who I followed who I'd never Rag. never talked to. No, I mean, by a lot of, whatever, fuck you. Um, they, uh, uh, you know, but I never knew them. I didn't know sure, them. Yeah. But, like, I would read their writing and... But and, you knew them. You didn't know them, Well, I, Well, them. I had a very specific context for who they right. were. They may have been lying about their lives. They may have been whatever. Um, Did you ever meet any of those people in real life or no? No. no. Well, my, my friend Jeremy, uh, who might listen to this, yeah, I knew him, for, I knew him from, from LiveJournal, and, and I, uh, you know... Um, yeah, I met. I've met him. Uh, we, he he runs a, a literary. Ma- Actually, I'm wearing the shirt right now. Uh, shout out to Outlook Outlook Springs Literary Magazine. Uh, my friend Jeremy uh, is the editor there, um, but I know him from Live Journal. Because like it's not the same context, but like one of my closest friends, the guy that I do too fast too forever with, I met playing Halo Two, mm-hmm. and like it's different because it's not like I'm reading his thoughts or reading his writing. It's like, but it's still like an internet friend and like out of context. But what was what was cool was that like. 
we had played Halo a bunch in 2005, 2006, and then we sort of like drifted apart because like we weren't playing the game anymore. And then Facebook became a thing. We became Facebook friends. And then when I was driving cross country on like this six and a half week road trip, I was like, hey, I'm going to be in your city. Uh, it'd be cool to meet up. He's like, no, man, just stay with me. I'm like, what? And like, it just felt normal. Like it could have felt psychotic, like, because yeah. he's basically an internet stranger. But like, there's something about, and I feel like it's something that I don't know that our parents or people who didn't grow up with the internet could ever really fully understand. It's like, I don't know the person, but I know the person. And like, I have one of my best friends in college, her sister met her husband playing World of Warcraft. And it's like one of those things where just like, I, I, it's, I, I get it. Yeah. But you, same, did, you, did you recognize my, uh, dismissive? Like, no, no, not, not dismissive. Dismissive dis- jerk off. I, I was, I was, no, I was, uh, putting in check my, my, uh, bullying nature to, mm-hmm. to, to give nerds wedgies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's also like the same thing. It's like, it's different, but like, it's the same reason when like I was, I was trying, this is a brag, but it's a brag against myself, basically. I was tracking Bitcoin the summer where it went from like twenty dollars to like two grand or something like that. Or maybe five grand. It was it was the summer where it first blew up. And I remember thinking, I'm I i can not buy this imaginary currency because I could never explain to my parents why I blew my savings on a thing that doesn't exist. Like it just it like I knew What what year was this? Two thousand twelve. Okay. But it was like one of those things where I'm just like, it's it's the whole like, I get it to a certain extent. I still don't really get it, but I get it. I get it enough. But it's like to explain to someone who's not in the thing what the thing is mm-hmm. feels like a losing battle. Like, I don't know that people much older than us would like this book. Maybe they would. I don't know. But it feels like a book written for people our age. I, it's a sweet spot because I don't think people much younger than us really would. would. Well, they don't read books anyway. Um, I did have one student that loved it. But that's another. I, 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 she ended up writing about it, even though I, I. You shelved it. I shelved it. Yeah, I, I, I assigned this book for a class, and then I shelved it, and she read it anyway, and she talked to me about it, and she really, she really liked it. Um, but rewind to what I was saying before, which is so you have all of these uh, blogs and, and people that you know anonymously, and you've been consuming this. Twitter content from people who you think are really fucking funny and really great yeah. and, and uh, anonymously. The idea of them then putting it in a book and selling that book is almost like, I think most people would be like, fuck you. Right. Like, what? No. E- even if they love that content, because we have this like absurd training to uh, uh, think of like what goes inside a paperback or a hardcover as such a higher form of higher. Yeah. So higher, higher in, in like a way that dismisses everything beneath it, but also like structured in a certain way and formatted in a certain way. And, you know, these are books about people that cheat on their wives and, and things like that. We don't think of them as, um, you know, like, like some David Markson books and stuff like that, I think you could compare to, to what Darcy Wilder is doing here. But the idea of taking this stuff, this content from the Internet and putting it in a book and then publishing that book, like it legitimately feels like kind of punk to me. Well, I think in, in, a, in a cool way, it's like the inverse. Like we were talking about, you know, Jerry Seinfeld being bad at Twitter or whatever. But when when comedians first realize that Twitter was a place that they could really like find an audience and like expand out and whatever 
And I remember there being like pushback, like, why would I give away jokes for free? And it's like the opposite. It's like, this is a lower form. So it's like the same, it's the same kind of thing, but in reverse, right? It's like, why would I give things away for free? Whereas here, it's like, well, why would I pay for things that I get for free? That's exactly, and, I and mean, I, you get them with podcasts too, right? And like, you're, it's missing the point, I think, both ways. It's like, if a thing is good, if you enjoy a thing, the person who creates that thing should get paid for it. Or right. like, you shouldn't be offended that the person who does a thing that you like, patreon.com slash lottery pod, <laughs> that you should feel like they deserve something. Because like, whether you're doing a podcast or writing tweets or whatever, like you're taking time, you're putting effort in. It's not like you're just like literally just shitting thoughts out. It's there's craft to it. Yeah. I mean, I also, I also want to say that I, I think this book is structured to its teeth. I think, I think, I think it is like, it, yeah. is, it is, there is a specific skeleton. It is put in an area where it's like, okay, there aren't, here's like these things about, giving head and then here's some mom stuff and then here's some 911 stuff and it's spread out enough that like you know that it's coming back but it's like never too much of one thing at once right and 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 you get it so that it's like here's a theme here's a theme because this is the way that we are right i have like five to ten things in my head that are recurring themes and they just keep coming back mm -hmm. over and over with me and i think of this thing that um Sarah Silverman said once, which is, uh, I tell rape and Holocaust jokes because I can't stop thinking about rape and the Holocaust. Right. Um, and, and that makes so much sense to me when Darcy Wilder writes a book like this. And, you know, I think people who are being dismissive of this can say that it's just like a string of tweets written over and over again, assembled. Uh, some of them have typos in them. The grammar is very poor. I'd push back against that because I don't think the grammar is poor. I think the typos are intentional. I think all of that stuff, um, you know, it doesn't make it to the point of being a published book with those typos in unless she's trying to say something specifically right. about the, the nature of how this thing was written and when it was published. But I would say that all those things are structured and, and assembled in a way that uh, not only looks like a real book, but is a real book. Yeah. Because, like, who are you to gatekeep? Not you, you, but like, yeah. who are you to gatekeep what a book is or isn't? I mean, this is, you know, from the beginning of, of time, you sure. know, what, what's punk, what's not punk, right? You've that, that jawbreaker song boxcar that starts with, you're not punk and I'm telling everyone. And then the, the whole song is about, is about, you know, specifically like who, who gets to call themselves punk. And it's just like, I mean, who cares? It, it is, you know, it is what it is to use a cliche tautology which i just saw as your home screen oh that's a i i, I realize that's a i joke. have to i i don't want to explain what that joke is on on air well, uh that's that's an inside joke that's unexplainable okay i was surprised that that was your lock screen like I'm, i wasn't looking at your phone <laughs> but your phone lit up from a notification and i was just like yeah it's like a very like pink 1970 like that 70s mm -hmm. show font that just says it is what it is it's very stylized yeah any other thoughts about literally show me a healthy person or should I read Egg's email? You can you can read Egg's email. I think I probably know what it says. She and I talked about this book a little bit. Meg's reaction to literally show me a healthy person. Starting off hot, I if you want to email us, lottery pod. No, lottery or lottery pod, but lottery at cageclub.me. Write about this book. Write about any book. 
Lottery, Cage Club, Dummy. This is a 97-page book. We have not said that. It's very short. The audiobook read by Darcy is two hours. That's easy to find. Worth seeing it, I think. Egg, starting off hot. I did not like this book. Yeah. It reminded me of College Novel, which we both really well, liked. Well, I think, I think that makes sense because sure. they're they're of a generation together. And Duck's Newburyport. That's interesting. I just don't like we can talk about that post, post. I just don't like this type of postmodernism. Mm-hmm. I know that Joey will disagree with me, but I think I'd rather read Giles Goat Boy than this. Wow, which is so much more effort too to I read know. Giles Goat Boy. Well, to, to me, it's just like if I dislike two things, and one will like if I hated this book, which obviously I didn't, but this takes me two hours to read, and Giles takes me forty hours to read. I'd rather read this book. 10 times than that once maybe not 20 times who knows but like it's also the time investment meg might have hated this it was done in an hour or two yeah at least after giles i felt like i accomplished something after i finished this book it felt like i just wasted my time the narrator was annoying to me and not as funny as the reviews made it out to be darcy if you're listening i'm so sorry don't don't read the reviews before i mean never read the reviews go ahead sorry what do you mean meg said the reviews it's not as funny as the reviews made it out to be but i think if you're Oh yeah, that's why I don't I don't watch trailers, I don't read reviews, just go into a thing. Yeah. Maybe I'm being too harsh because of its reception in the public consciousness, but it does not resonate with me at all. Now I did not know that there is a public consciousness to this. All I know about this in popular culture is that at one point Kendall Jenner was photographed holding or reading this book. That's the extent of what I know about this novel. Yeah. Which resulted in an article Darcy Wilder wrote called, like, Kendall Jenner, give me $300,000 or something like that. Yeah. Because, like, her book sold out because of it, right? Well, Kendall Jenner should just give it, give her money because Kendall Jenner is, you look, like, Kendall Jenner is, I, I, don't, I don't know, it's possible that she is a fan of alternative literature or whatever you want to call this. Uh, and she is cool and reads cool books. That's totally a possibility. But... Kendall Jenner getting photographed with a book like this is also buying a certain kind of cultural capital. Yes. She is showing people that she reads a certain kind of literature which will elevate her among cool communities or like quote unquote hipster communities, but also like literature communities so it, it it gives the illusion i'm not saying that kendall jenner is not smart kendall i don't know anything about kendall jenner um i'm of the record i publicly say that i think that entire family is geniuses in a, in a maybe in a specific way <laughs> okay but well, i think they're all, right, all whatever um this is now a kardashian's podcast regardless of of kendall jenner's intent it gives the impression not only of someone who reads books, but of someone who reads, who who finds, searches out and finds a very specific kind of experimental postmodern novel, right? Which is not, uh, you know, it's different from her reading something from Reese Witherspoon's book club, which yes. would which would mean something else. Yep. Anyway, uh, th- that's that's I think I, that might be what Meg is referring to when she talks about the public consciousness of the novel, because I don't really know what she means otherwise than that. All right, is there more to the email? No, that was it. Oh, that's it? Short and not sweet and to the point. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm always conscious of, of saying mean things or something about writers. Um, and and when, when Meg writes that she found the narrator annoying, that's more complicated because the narrator is... The author. 
the author was likely the author, but it's also she's presenting a very specific version of herself. The real non literally show me a healthy person version of Darcy Wilder might be very different from this. But Meg asked me like about that because she's like, you know, who knows who's going to listen to this? But like, what if I send an email where I really like have bad stuff to say about the book? Like on the off chance that an author like Darcy Wilder might listen to do it because Meg is a very nice person and she doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And to that, I I just said like Darcy Wilder knows what kind of book she wrote, right? <laughs> like she she knows that 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 book is not for everyone. Well, I also I also think no one is creating art that they think, unless you're insane, that everybody's going to enjoy. Yeah, you shouldn't because it's probably bad. If you try to make everybody enjoy it, it's probably bad. But number two, I also think that to a certain extent, maybe it's not the right kind of emotion you're evoking, but like this book made Meg feel something. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. So you know, maybe it's not like. Anger, because I feel like anger is a more pure, like, satisfactory result to a thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I don't know. If you want to write in lottery at cageclub.me, we'll read on the next episode. We can't do fantasy casting. Oh, sure you can. Uh, um, Who would you get to play Darcy? Uh, maybe my my uh, Dylan Galula. Maybe uh, Suki Waterhouse. Okay. All right. <laughs> Should we call Matt? I feel like we haven't called Matt in like a year. No, it's too late, man. 9.30 on a Friday night. He's probably with his kids. Yeah, it's too late to call Matt. I feel like his kids have aged into the ages where we're not able to call him anymore while we were doing this podcast. Yeah. He used to be, they go to bed early, I got time, and now it's just like, which I'm very happy for him because they well, have we'll a very just, fulfilling. Well, well, next time, the thing, so we have, the next one that we can call him about is the Katie Rundy novel. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll. Talk to him beforehand to make sure that he's in in line for it. We're at Lottery Pod on Twitter, patreon.com slash lottery pod, lottery at cageclub.me. Please. Today's crime is dragging something very, very heavy Keep into breathing. the middle of the road and leaving it there. One, two, three, uh. <laughs>